It's Wednesday, October 17, 2018. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And Chet, the Eagles came back with a big win against the hapless Giants last Thursday night. The Sixers opened last night in Boston by getting blown out. And the Flyers, yeah, surprised. They have goaltending issues. There's plenty to talk about on the Philly sports scene. Yeah, don't get me started on the Flyers, Bill. Not yet, anyway. We will talk plenty about the Eagles later on in the show when Philly.com's Paul Domowitz joins us. And, yeah, an intriguing 76ers season didn't get started quite the way we would have hoped up in Boston. Well, probably, as you don't want to get started talking Flyers goaltending, I don't want to get started talking about the Sixers. But we're going to do it. And don't yeah, forget, we have, to. Uh, we have to make some Sixers season predictions tonight as well. Oh, yeah, we're going to. Don't worry. Um, they won 52 games last year, but can they do that or maybe even better again this year? I don't know. You and I, plus our first guest, will make our official predictions at some point over the next uh, 15, 20 minutes, or maybe you'll hold off on yours till the second half hour when Fred joins us. Whatever. We're going to make predictions. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I, I think we'll be surprised on how we might have some spread between the four of us uh, this year. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I'll probably go higher than you again this year, and Fred, I don't know. Fred's a tough one. He's a Sixers fan, but he's a realist, too, so uh, we shall see. We shall see, and we're going to have Dion shortly. We're waiting for her to check in, so in the meantime, I know you watched the game last night, or at least parts of it. You were switching between the Sixers and Flyers. Um, Sixers got some issues, man. Yeah, they do. They do. And, uh, you know, I guess you can look at it and say that the Celtics are really good, which they probably are pretty good. I don't know. They're really good, but they're pretty good. Uh, but boy, the, the Sixers just don't look good. Didn't look good. Yeah, um, they have a lot of problems. I mean, their defense wasn't great last night, the perimeter defense. A lot of turnovers, many of them by uh, the big guy in the middle. Um, Shooting was just awful. I mean, they were, what, 5 for 26 from three-point range. You're not going to win games like that. And besides Ben Simmons, I don't think anybody played really well last night. We're, of course, going to talk a lot about Markel Fultz when our guest joins us, and I think she's with us now. Yes, she is. Let's Let's get her on. Hello, Dee. I think we've got her. Dee, you with us? I apologize. I was cooking some dinner, and time got away from me. <laughs> what are you making? No, what did you cook? No problem. Uh, no problem. Hey. Just chicken. What is it? Chicken? I have chicken, chicken for myself and my boys. Uh, let's see. One had cereal, and the other had waffles. So <laughs> every man for themselves in this house. Well, I had a can of of SpaghettiOs and meatballs, so uh, how sad is that? And I had leftover chili, so it's all good. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk some hoops, (laughs) Dee. It's great to have you back on with us again to talk about another 76ers season, which got underway Tuesday night with an 18-point loss up in Boston. Now, Dee, I know it was just one game, and we probably shouldn't make any rash judgments after one game, but we will. Uh, So what if anything – Yeah, what, if anything, did we learn about the Sixers from the opening night loss to the Celtics? Uh, Wow, that's a loaded question. Um, (laughs) I would say, for me personally, there is way too much energy going into figuring out one human being, and I feel like it's going to be at the expense of the group. 
And if they really want, you know, they can talk about they're doing everything to be good in, you know, May and June. But if, if you lose your group or you don't develop the group, then there will not be a May and June. And so for me personally, it's just way too much energy to figure out who Mark Helfeld is on this team. Yeah, D, and that's the key guy that we got to talk about. And I know I'm not alone on this, but I think the key to the Sixers' fate this season is Markel Fultz. Do you agree with that? And what is your assessment of Fultz at this point? I mean, is he going to be a player? Is he going to be a bust? What's your take? I disagree that he the season hinges on him being good or not good. Okay. I would say, it for me, it depends more on make him figure it out. Not everybody else has to figure him out. I, I just think that these, they had the best starting five statistically in terms of scoring points and holding your opponent, right? I mean, that's as simple as I can make it. And very rarely, I'm not going to say very rarely, but, I mean, the opportunity to have all five of those guys back doesn't happen every day. You know, trades happen, free agency happens, but you get all five of your guys back. I'm sorry. I, I want to start well. I, I want to build on having 52 wins, and I'm going to do it by having that same starting five back out on that court. And to do it so you can figure out who Markell is on the floor with Ben and Joel at the expense of having strong starts is something I would not do. That's just me. And you can say it's only five minutes and I'm committed and, you know, say all you want, but it doesn't work. I know it was only one game, but there is nothing impressive about doing that to me. Hey, Dee, when you come out in an opening game, no matter if you're, well, I guess you're at Boston, that makes it even more exciting other than being at home. But you come out and you're, you've got all those pregame jitters and everything going on, and, and you're Joel Embiid, who is supposed to be an elite player, and he comes out pretty much stunk the place up. Um, almost mm-hmm. looked uninterested in, at times. I, I, well, I wouldn't say uninterested. I would say he was less uninvolved. But that would go to my point of the energy is so so pushed towards who is Markel going to be on our team and he's going to start and we're going to make sure he plays with Ben and Joel, and then we're going to make sure he gets as many minutes at the point guard position because we want the ball in his hands. Quite frankly, in the second half, when you do that, he's not even the best point guard on the floor when he's out there. T.J. McConnell was. So I would say Joel's play, two things for me. Uh, I don't know if there was an interesting stat, and there's so many advanced stats anymore that sometimes you have to take a step back. But because they have made these changes defensively, and again, it's because they want to be better defensively and need to be than they were in the postseason last year. It's all geared towards being better in the postseason. But you're, you're having him run out and trap and then run back and try to protect the rim and then uh, switch off on the guard because he's capable of. But they actually track the amount of defensive steps that he took and it was you know like I think it was 1.3 miles right and last year on average per game Paul George was that and he was the second highest 
amount of space that he covered in a game. And the point of that is you're asking him to do too much, and he is going to get worn out. And I thought in the second half he looked worn out to me. Well, do you're not going to win most nights when you miss 21 out of 26 threes, whether it's against the Celtics or anybody, and when you commit 16 turnovers, five of them by the big guy. I mean, D, I love Joel yep. Embiid, but he's got to work on his ball handling. Well, he absolutely said he was going to make a concerted effort to have fewer turnovers. He last year averaged 3.7. I want to say there were four people that were in his uh, that had that many as well. LeBron was one of them. Russell Westbrook was one of them, and I want to say Harden was the other. The point is the ball is in those guys' hands a lot. Now, Joel would be the difference because he's not a guard. The rest of them are on the perimeter. I get it. But you realize that you run a lot of stuff through him. So five is too many. Totally agree. Um, I will go back to your initial stat, which how many threes they missed. Boston clearly, absolutely clearly, makes it an emphasis that no matter who you are, the one thing we are going to take away from you is the three-point line. And if you mm-hmm. can't figure out how else to score on us, we do know how to defend that. And, and they make you look bad. And I don't think it's just the Sixers. Well, D, on a bright note, uh, Ben Simmons played pretty good and uh, did a lot of really good things. I, I kind of wonder how this is going to play out, if he's going to have that improved shot throughout the season and is really going to take another step for them. See, I didn't see the improved shot like you no. do. Uh, I mean, I know he had nine. No, no, I, I'm saying to see if we're going to see the improved shot. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think you are. I mean, that's just me. I don't think he will. I think last year he shot 12 threes. I don't need him to shoot threes. I do need him to make free throws, and he didn't do that last night. So, to me, mm-hmm. you can talk about all the work you did in the off season, but if you can't come in – and be, you know, last year you were 56% at the line. Uh, to me, it's not an unrealistic and it wasn't an unreasonable goal. You should want to be above 70. You're a starting point guard. And to come in, and, and I just thought he didn't look like his foul shot looked any different than a year ago. Yeah, I'm with you. He's got some work to do both on the foul shots and on the, uh, the outside shooting. Um, hey, D, the Sixers were without Mike Muscala and Wilson Chandler in the opener. Yeah, Chandler won't big, be back till big, early November. That was a big hole, yeah. Yeah, how big a role will those guys have on this team this year? Well, I'm going to tell you that for Brett, Brett would tell you that Wilson Chandler will be for them, in his opinion, healthy-wise. Now, you know, when you, once you have the hamstring, uh, I don't know who he is when he comes back. I hate those injuries because if you come back too soon, then it just seems like it nags forever. Um, and then, you know, if you wait, now you haven't played for so long. So I don't know. But had he not been hurt, he would, in Brett's eyes, have been or can be for this team what uh, the Morris kid is on Boston. He can make an outside shot. He has an edge to him. And I think Marcus had 16 points, if I'm not mistaken, last night. So – that's a significant role. Like, he would fill the bill of an Ilyasova in Brett's eyes, and I know that is the biggest disappointment for him going into this season is not having Chandler 
healthy, and it's a it, it's a problem. It's a big hole for them um, because their bench isn't great and is making you know you lose a Marco and an Ilyasova. You're you like the thought of Wilson, and he was pretty sure he knows who Wilson is, and I think he's confident in Mescal, not in the same level as Chandler. Um, and then to not have either of them on the opening night, you know, that's it's a bummer. Hey, just speaking of bummers, <laughs> I, I I find Robert Covington to be a mystery man on this team. <laughs> they you know they 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 paid him what fifty million, I believe, last year. Uh, he, he's evolved yeah. into a, basically a role player. I mean, he gets a lot of minutes, but he doesn't do a whole lot. Well, I'm going to tell you two things. First of all, uh, he was top heavily paid for the one year after having been paid underpaid for four years. He made a million dollars a year for four years. Now, to you and I, that's great money. But hmm. to be a starting player in the NBA, that is well, well below any any salary of any of the other starters in the league. So to me, I don't have a problem with them giving him that first year of whatever he made last year. I think it was probably in the 12 range, and now he's down to under nine. But I hear you that, you know, there's times when you say, what is he doing for us? He's supposed to be able to make a shot. People run him off the three-point line because they don't think he has ball handling skills. He claims he worked on that this this summer and you know over time hopefully we see that i think he is definitely hurt by jj not being out there to start a game because to me he benefited from not being the only shooter on the floor at the start of a game when you have jj out there then you have to you can't be heavily on one because the other can hurt you so if guys were running at J.J., Robert would get open, and an open shot for him is okay. It's when he's contested that I think he has problems or has to put it on the floor because somebody's running at him. So I would say those two things. The other that is lost in this, and you can agree or disagree, but the fact of the matter is there are only five names that make it. He was first team all defensive last year, period. Mm-hmm. Five guys in the entire league are on that team. And he was one of them. So he does do something defensively for people. The 52nd best player in the NBA, according to Bleacher Report. So we'll just leave that there. Um, D, I want to get back to I want to get back to what you were talking about with Mark. If you're going to do that, that yeah. you know, I mean, I am going to say he was one of five. Yeah, yeah. There's no yeah. denying that. Defensively, he does do something for people. I hear you. I want to get back to what you were talking about with Markel Fultz and how the team has to adapt to him rather than, you know, vice versa. Um, is this going to work? No, even I if think, he is a pl- I mean, even if he's I a player, he both he and uh, Simmons have to have the ball in their hands, do they not? Yeah. And it's, I don't see how that works long term. Unless, you know, you're willing to make him Simmons' backup guy at the expense of T.J. McConnell, which I would totally, uh, as much as I think, TJ helps this team and is better. That is the only way you're going to know if Markel is somebody or not. You do not play TJ with him, and TJ then doesn't get minutes. That that's where this would head if that's what you do. But if you watch last night, the reason that isn't happening is because obviously 
they see value in PJ. They don't want to not play PJ, and they don't trust enough to just let Markell run that show when he comes in in the second half as Ben's backup. I hear you. All right, D, what did you think of the Elton Brand hiring as GM, by the way? Uh, I was extremely happy for him. I know, I don't know, I heard that they were killing him supposedly on uh, sports radio today, like this is his problem. I mean, he got hired <laughs> so late into this roster was already formed by the time anything, it, it, all of it. Brett did everything this summer, and before Brett there was Brian Colangelo. So, I mean, he's been on the job a millisecond. I, I don't understand how anybody could say what happened last night had anything to do with Elton. No. Uh, I will root like heck for him. Uh, I do know that he is a people person, and I think he's well-respected as a guy and as a player when he played in the league. So um, I like the hire. Uh, there's like a big topic now amongst people, do you even need GMs in this league because players recruit their own people to come and play with them? I agree with it. They recruit their own people. But I will go to the draft and the the moves that happen around the draft, and we'll use last night as the example, that you trade up and give up a lottery pick to have that number one pick and then make the wrong choice, you know, that's why you pay people to know what they're doing. And and they're supposed to know what they're doing when they make GM moves like that. Mm -hmm. Hey, D, when it – Following up on that a little bit, were you surprised that it ended up being Elton? Do you think, uh, you know, certainly it seemed like there were some other choices that didn't come our way. Uh, Do you have any reason why you think that might have turned out the way it did? Well, I think the, for instance, if you, let's just throw out David Griffin's name, right? He's available. He constructed the Cavaliers team that did win a championship. Um, now, it had LeBron on it, so, you know, let's just make that clear, um, that he is out there. I would say there were two factors, and there were other people, too. I don't think any of the not already experienced GM guys made any real sense to me above doing whatever they just did, meaning with Elton. Um because they're, you know, like, for instance, a guy out in Golden State who's the assistant GM. Eh, I mean, I know him, and I know his background. He actually, that that guy has been a previous general manager in the league, and I didn't think his track record, he was in Milwaukee, was great. So, um, but my point being that when they were looking at people like a David Griffin, David Griffin wants to come in and put his fingerprints all over this product. And I think what the organization feels like, that they're close. And they don't want somebody who just wants to blow it up just to have their name on it. Now, coming off Mm -hmm. of last night's game doesn't make you feel great about it. I get that. But there are a lot of good moves that have been made. And I think they needed somebody who wanted to – be a part of what's already happened and then keep growing that process. And I think some of the more experienced guys that wouldn't be how they saw it. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, D, final thing, and you know what it is. It's prediction time. Now, I'm going to pat myself on the back because last year, among the three of us, I was the closest. Bill said 37 wins. UD said 39. I guessed 43. Of course, they won 52, and the over-under this year is 54.5. So, D, give me a number between 30 and 70. I say 50. 50, says D. What seed? Yeah. Third seed? Uh, seed, that's that. No, I didn't think that far ahead, but I, I actually – you know I do some radio now. So I said yes. the other day, it really doesn't matter what seed they are. One, we know they're going to be in the postseason. And two, I think they similar to Cleveland last year. Cleveland didn't care that they were the fourth seed. They really didn't. And that they were playing their best. Well, really, it was LeBron was playing his best basketball. But acclimating those guys that they got at the trade deadline was more important to them than, than whatever number they would be. So I think that they're definitely going to be either – I don't. they're not going to be one or two, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think they will be three or four. Bill? I am going to wait. I'm going to wait till later in the show and do mine with Fred. And uh, so we have you two, and we'll do. I'll do mine with him, and we'll have ours later on. How's that? Okay, but I want to give mine because I want to tell D, and I want to put this out there right now. I'm going to go lower than D. I'm saying 48, which means I have to root for D to be right because I want him to win at least 50. But I'm going to say 48. So there you go. I will say this: I do believe that at the trade deadline. If they are hurting again in this bench category, and that could be because of injury, like I said, I don't know. If the hamstring thing to me is always that and the high ankle sprain. They're the two ones that you never like to hear because it doesn't yeah. put you out for the year. It just has you always waiting and wondering. You know what I mean? So, I do. But I, I think that they do know as an organization – They've done it with Sam. They did it with Brian. That if they need something, they do know how to go about getting getting assets at the trade deadline. I do believe they do that well. And that has a lot to do with their guys that have been – like, of course, you always give credit to uh, the, the general manager or the present general manager. But really, that's the working of the people below. And I think they have a pretty good core – in, in that regard. All right. Well, hey, Dee, before we let you go, can you give us a quick rundown of what you have going on? I know you uh, you, you mentioned oh, you've got my. the radio stuff. Can you give us a quick <laughs> uh, rundown before we leave? Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, well, you know, I've been working on my master's, which I'm, uh, let's see, I'm finishing, a, I have one paper left in this class. So after Friday, <laughs> I will have four classes remaining. And then I will have my master's. So that's exciting for me. Um, I am doing sports radio, which has been a thrill for me. I've never had uh, the opportunity to do radio on a regular basis, let alone doing shows by myself or hosting with somebody else. So, um, and I've been able to do that uh, weekly now. 97.5, right? Yep. Yep. And that's been a blast. And a new uh, new thing for me, I am teaching, uh, going back, I took this semester off of teaching at Chestnut Hill just to have a little extra time. And then I'll be back with um, the Delaware team, which is now the Bluecoats, 
calling their games. And, by the way, I'm going to do something with them this weekend because it's the G League draft. Uh, and I'll go back and do uh, Princeton's women's games also. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. I know. How, many, how many days are in the week? <laughs> <laughs> Busy woman. It's, it's so funny that you say that because when you just do your job, right, when I was at Comcast for all those years, it's, you know, you just go and you know that you have to do this and whatever. But when you piecemeal your way through life, my calendar <laughs> – and my like cell phone being fully charged, so the alarm alerts me of where I have to be, has become so critical. So it's good for me. It All makes right. me a little more disciplined than I might have been before. Good deal. So, well, hey, D, we got to yep. run. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, let's do it you again. Guys, Hopefully, thank you so much for always inviting me. Love to All have right. you, D. It's awesome. All right, we'll talk uh, mid-season. We'll we'll go back and see uh, where Mark Hell is. How about that? You got it. Thanks, D. Take care. It's mid-October. There's a chill in the air. Halloween fast approaching. And joining me now from the Irish Rover Station House is Chris Gaskell. And, Chris, I say all that because as we approach Halloween, you guys have a lot going on over the Irish Rover. Yeah, October is always a fun time. The season changes. Time to, like, change our venues a little bit. Uh, but we're gearing up right now for our Halloween party, which is on Saturday the 27th. We have live music. The band Spen Live will be with us. We'll have great drink specials and, of course, costumes. Come in your best costume, and there'll be prizes. And then also, we're really excited about the Eagles game in London. We've decided to open our doors at 8.30 in the morning. And we'll have a little breakfast kind of thing going on and some great giveaways from Victory Brewing Company. It should be a good day. Yep, that'll be Sunday morning, the 28th, at the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. Find them on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Yeah, little Warren Zevon, is that right? Wow, you got it, pal. How about that? Hey, Chad, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. Oh, you know it, Bill. It is true. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate Insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's important to you, what's most important to you and your family. Click on the Allstate banner on our Philly Press Box Radio website, or just call Dave directly, 610-430-0700. Again, Dave Lavoie at Allstate Insurance in Westchester, 610-430-0700. Well, hey, Chet, uh, we mentioned this in the top of the show, a, a subject near and dear to your heart, Flyers goaltending. We're only six games into the season. The Flyers have given up 25 goals, second most in the entire Eastern Conference. And Brian Elliott is sitting with a 4.04 goals against average. What do you make of it? Well, we had Sam Carcidi on last week, and Sam called Brian Elliott a good goaltender, but not a great goaltender. And that's certainly true, although while part of it can be blamed on the defense, he's sometimes looking like a not very good goalie these, these days. They blew a 5-2 <laughs> lead against Florida Tuesday night. Elliott gave up four of the goals. His backup, Pickard, gave up the fifth. And they were fortunate to get a victory by way of a shootout in that one. Goaltending is a definite concern. On the bright side, though, after getting shut out on Saturday, they scored five goals in the win, plus the you know, shootout goals, and it was nice to see that kind of offensive output. Well, it was, and, uh, you know, Claude Giroux's off to a good start. He's got eight points in six games. 
but you know the the goaltending issue that game last night. I mean, uh, Elliot was kind of so bad that he almost had to take him out. He was five. He was up five two. He gave up two soft goals to let them back in the game. And by now the momentum swung, and the one that Pickard gave up, he didn't really have a whole lot uh, of chance on that one. Um, you know, the, Elliot kind of let the whole momentum of the, of the game swing, and you can't have that. No, you can't. But it, it's a long way to go in the season. They're what three and three now, so I still think they will make the playoffs. But they got to get better goaltending. We know that. Oh, absolutely. Well, hey, uh, Chet. We want to certainly we want to talk some Eagles. So let's welcome back our Philly.com Eagles beat writer Paul Domowitz to talk all things Eagles. Welcome back, Paul. Thanks, guys. How you doing? Good. Doing hey, great. Paul. Paul, thanks for joining us again. Uh, first thing, the win over the Giants was nice. It was much needed. Yeah, the Eagles are back to the 500 mark, but their three wins this season are over teams that have a combined record of four and 14. And the Giants just may be the worst team in the league. So can we say for sure the Eagles are back, or do we still need more evidence? Well, I think we still they need, to, they need to beat somebody a little better than the Giants. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, how, how bad is that Giants bunch up there? Uh, you know, I, I, think they, I think we thought they'd go up there and take care of business against the Giants, but, boy, they, they are not very good. Yeah, they don't got a, they don't have a lot going for them other than Saquon Barkley, uh, and they certainly, I think we probably uh, uh, it's not going to be long before they uh, go shopping for a, a new quarterback uh, after this yeah. season because Eli Eli sure did look like he's uh, pretty much toast. Hey Paul, like last year, the injuries are a problem for the Eagles. Uh, Jason mm-hmm. Peters, I guess, is going to try to play now with the various injuries that he has. Uh, are we going to see him this week? And what's the latest on Darren Sproles? Well, Sproles didn't practice today. I, I, I've got a feeling he's still going to probably sit at least another week. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they just hold him out until after the bye. I mean, if you're, if he's not playing this week. Um, you know, you might as well buy yourself uh, two extra weeks by by just waiting until after that. They seem to be more, uh, you know, I think they just want to get everybody back completely healthy with all these soft tissue injuries. They don't want to bring somebody back with a hammer, a quad, and have it get aggravated in a couple of weeks and not have them for the home stretch. So I think their their attitude this year as opposed to last year is with guys like Darren is let's just rest them. Let's just hope we're, you know, we, we, we can win some games without him, and uh, then we'll have him healthy, completely healthy for the home stretch. Now, the problem is he's 35 years old, just like Jason Peters is 36 years old. And, you know, you're gambling when, when you know, these guys are t- talented players, but, uh, you know, the problem when you get older in, in this game or any other game is you're, you know, you're more uh, susceptible to the injuries they're suffering. Absolutely. Well, Paul, the offensive line, as we mentioned with Peters, has struggled a little bit. Lane Johnson's banged up. Uh, Wisniewski's been replaced. Um, is that the, the, Do you feel like, it, well, in the running back situation, is that the direct result of the crazy uh, pass-run ratio that we're seeing? Do you think Doug would much rather be running the football? I think he'd like to have some balance. You know, last year they ran, I think their run percentage was about 44% of the time. That's pretty much what they, what they would like. Um, 
the the problem they're having this year is that they didn't have last year is they're not get, getting off to fast starts. Uh, you know, last year they, they grabbed leads and made teams uh, play catch up and then they were able to kind of sit back and, 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 and pound the ball a little bit more. This year it's been a different situation. They've been either, you know, in very close games or, or playing catch up themselves. And uh, so they're throwing more than they'd like. Uh, you know, I think last week was obviously uh, what they'd like to see more of as far as the, the run pass split. But, you know, as far as their offensive line, you know, I think Lane will play this week. I don't, I st- I'm still not convinced J- Jason Peters is going to play this week. He may, uh, but, you know, he's, he's hurt. I mean, he's that, that bicep may not be, it, it's, I, it's not, the season-ending kind of tear, but it's it's going to be a problem for them. Um, you know, they're starting to make excuses now about, you know, that he played a great, you know, last week that he he went up against uh, Olivier Vernon, who's a great defensive end. Well, you know, Jason Peters is a Hall of Fame office, offensive tackle. You know, <laughs> right. when he's when he's getting beat by anyone, there's you know something's not right, and you know I think Jason's kind of. I mean, he's 36, and at some point you're going to hit the wall, and the injuries haven't helped. So we're less than two weeks from the NFL trade deadline right now, and the Eagles still have some areas of need, obviously. So will Howie make a deal between now and October 30th? What do you think? I think he's still looking. I don't think he wants to give up a lot. Um, you know, I'd be surprised to see him make a move for a running back unless they they can get one really cheap. Uh, you know, I, you know. LaShawn uh, McCoy has been mentioned, but uh, I can't, you know, Buffalo's, you know, Buffalo's been asking too much and I'm not sure LaShawn McCoy is worth it at this point. Uh, But I mean, they're, they're listening, they're talking, uh, you know, they've got other needs besides running back right now. I, you know, I think they can actually survive with, with a Smallwood, uh, Corey Clement combination and especially if Sproles comes back and can offer some help. Um, but you know they're they're thin right now at defensive tackle. Uh, you know they're 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 there's more than thin at safety. Uh, you know all the injuries they're suffering in the secondary right now. So they've got you know they've got other needs. So uh, I would not be surprised to see him make a move. I don't think it'll be a major move, uh, and I don't think it'll be a running back. Hmm. Well, Paul, six games in. Um, what, what's your overall assessment of the defense? Uh, a little bit of a mystery to me, I think. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, right now with the injuries, uh, they're very susceptible to good passing teams uh, because of the fact that, you know, losing Rodney McLeod, you don't realize how important he was back there until he's gone. They didn't have depth at safety, and I think that's going to be a problem going forward. They're trying to make – you know, they moved Avante um, Maddox, the rookie, uh, out of pit back there to safety. And this week, I think he may end up playing nickel corner because of Sidney Jones being down. So, um, but, you know, that's their defensive uh, secondary is going to be a problem going forward until, uh, well, they won't be getting McLeod back. But when, you know, they're going to need Sidney Jones back. But, you know, they've had problems on the outside that they've been getting beat too often. Um their pass rush has been kind of hit and miss. Uh, you know they've got, you know they've got some older guys there that are are, are have been inconsistent. I mean Chris Long's been up and down. Um, you know Michael Bennett's been fine. Uh, 
but uh, you know they're they're not going to get Tim Jernigan back probably until sometime in November, if then. Um, so I mean they're thin inside. Uh, yeah, that defense is, is is a concern. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the secondary with Rodney McLeod being done for the year, Sidney Jones being out a week or two. Uh, you mean you're not excited about Dexter McDougal being back, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's a body, which is right now what yeah. you know what they need. But yeah, I mean, yeah. their 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 safety situation. You know, they cross train all these 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 corners and safeties, which which helps in situations like this because they can move people around, and you know they can move Avante Maddox back. They can use Malcolm Jenkins down in, as a Nichols uh, occasionally. They can you know they can shuffle people around, but you're still you know you're still missing some pretty good people, and uh, you know. It, it, if they if their pass rush can't get there, and last last week it did get there. I mean, they were able to put pressure on Eli, and uh, it paid off. I mean, he couldn't do much as far as getting the ball to Beckham and, and Sterling Shepard. Uh, but if 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 the rush isn't there against some of the better quarterbacks they're going to be facing down the road here, you know that's when that secondary could get lit up. Well, what about Jalen Mills? The fans are killing Jalen Mills this year. What's your assessment? Is he as bad as a lot of the fans think he is this season? I don't think so. Uh, you know, I like Jalen. I mean, he's a tough kid. Uh, you know, he's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not a shutdown corner. He does get beat occasionally. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I like what, what he brings to the position. He's, he's you know, he, he can tackle. He can, he can provide run support, which is, is important. Uh, you know, is he is he you know is he going to be in the Pro Bowl anytime soon? No, uh, but you know he's he's you know Jim Schwartz kind of has he likes guys like that uh, that might not be the most talented guys in the world, but that are you know that are are, are tough and uh, aren't going to hang their head when they do get beat. And you know, so I mean, I, you can win with Jalen Mills. They proved that last year. Uh, I, I certainly don't think he's awful. I don't think he, you know, I mean, fans have been really quick to, to they've overreacted with him. Um, you know, I mean, they're, he, he's, he makes mistakes. He, he, he bites on, on double moves sometimes, but you know, if the rush is there, you know, the rush is, is everything on that defense. It's, you know, I mean, Jim Schwartz has mentioned it many times. It's the, it's the engine that, that, that makes that whole defense go when they get the rush Everything else works. When when they don't, that's when they struggle. Absolutely. Well, Paul, I, I have to get your take on this rough in the passer situation. It's uh, certainly not an Eagles thing. It's a league-wide thing. It's hurt the Eagles, certainly. Um, what, what's your take on it? What's the buzz around the league about it? Is it is it as bad as the fans are or angry as the fans are about it? Well, it's been just been inconsistent, you know. I mean, you know, sometimes they ignore it, sometimes they don't. I mean, I understand, you know. I, I didn't have a big problem with the Michael Bennett roughing, uh, because I mean, this is the new rule. You know, you use your body weight on a guy; uh, they're going to call that, and essentially that's what he did. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago when he got called for that ridiculous uh, roughing, where he supposedly hit the guy in the knees. I mean, yeah, those are those are the ones that just drive you crazy. Um, you know, I mean, it was incidental contact as far as I was concerned. He didn't go for the knees. I mean, I understand why they why they're so, so cautious. I mean, when you go back to the you know when Brady got hit years ago, which is kind of what's 
one of the uh, calls that's uh, plays that spawned all this. But, you know, I mean, common sense tells you that's not what happened in this case. Uh, so, you know, it's just so inconsistent in what they call it. They've had a couple of other, uh, uh, you know, penalties or, or points of emphasis that they've changed this year. Remember early on with all the penalties in the uh, preseason, you know, Troy Vincent clarified it with the, with the, with the referees and suddenly everything was fine. Did it with another, uh, you know, with another rule change. This one's not going away though. They're going to protect the quarterbacks, uh, you know, to the end of the earth because of what they mean to this game. And, you know, I, I acknowledge that the quarterbacks are, are essential to the success of, of their product, but you've also got to be, you know, have a little common sense and it. You know, it, it, it really, it kills you when you see it affect games, when it's, when it's a, a game changing play that they, they call a questionable penalty on like that. So, um, but we're going to, we're going to keep seeing it. I mean, it's not going to go away. All right, Paul, just one more from me. I'm going to be at the game on Sunday. Eagles, Panthers at the link. Am I going to see a Birds victory? You know what? I, 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 I've kind of swung both ways on this in the last couple of days. Uh, I had them losing by three points, then I had them winning by three points. But, you know, it's going to come down to whether they can defend Cam Newton, I think, on the you know, whether they can contain him as a runner and whether they can get him in some third down situations. They did last year, if you remember that, Thursday night game, he threw three interceptions. All of them were on third down. He's not a particularly good third down quarterback. That's when he makes most of his mistakes. So if that defense can get him in some third and longs, uh, I think they can win. I think it'll be a close game, but I think they'll win. All right. I like it. I hope you're right. Well, Paul, we have already <laughs> run out of time, and uh, but we certainly appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. It's uh, It's always good. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a pleasure being on. All right. Take care. All right. Thanks. You too. All right. There it is. There it is. Cue it up. Is our man with us? Where are you, Fred? Are you here? He's there. All Eagles right. win, baby. It's fantasy football. <laughs> Eagles win. Sixers lose. Eagles win. Fred, you go. Fred, welcome back. Hey, how you doing? Great, great interviews. I, I just this show's just evolved. It's so awesome. But listening to those two um, interviews and especially the D line one, it is just outstanding stuff, guys. I'll tell you, D and Paul Domwich, they are two of our favorite guests. I and mean, we say that about a lot of people, but those guys yeah. and lady really know their stuff and always happy to have them on with us. Finger up, they, they have their finger on the pulse, no doubt about it. You got it. All right, Fred, hey, let's talk uh, fantasy football. Tell us what's going on this week. All right, well, this week I got, well, I got a couple waiver wire pickups for you. Uh, Marquise Goodwin. I uh, had he's one of the people he's been injured. He he's a guy you want to grab off your waiver wire. And also last week Taylor Gabriel, I said to pick him up. He had a great week, um, and he's still like 22% owned in most leagues. So you can jump out and grab him as well. As far as my starters go for this week at the quarterback spot, I like Matt Ryan against uh, the Giants. It's a good matchup, and he's playing well. Andy Dalton against the Chiefs. It's another matchup, and the Chiefs, D, though the Chiefs are really good, the, the defense is, is horrendous, really. 
And then I also like Jared Goff and uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky's averaged 40 points per game the last two weeks, and he's playing a Patriots D that's not so great either. At running back, I like Joe Mixon against the Chiefs, LaShawn McCoy against the Colts, and then Carlos Hyde of the uh, Cleveland Browns against the Buccaneers. They're all mostly matchup-driven with defenses that, that give up a lot to the run. So they're, they're three backs I like there. Moving to wide receiver, Adam Thielen, he's really the top – he is the top receiver in fantasy. And um, I, I absolutely love him against the Jets this week. I also like Brandon Cooks against the 49ers. And then uh, going to Baltimore, well, it's in, in uh, New Orleans, but Baltimore against the Saints, Michael Crabtree or John Brown, I would start either or against the Saints at receiver. Uh, tight end, this guy is also a waiver wire pickup. Uh, CJ, I can't even pronounce it, Uzoma. Um, he's the starting tight end now in Cincinnati. They're going up against, again, the Chiefs, who is ranked, they're ranked 30th against tight ends. And he had six catches last week. That's a guy you could probably pick up and start right away. And then I also like David and Joku of the Browns. Uh, he's matched up against the Buccaneers. Defensively, I like the Colts defense matched up against the Bills. I think Derek Anderson is going to make the start this week. And um, so I like that matchup there just based on how bad the Bills offense has been. And then I also like the Cardinals defense against the Broncos. Cardinals defense the last three weeks has really started to come on points-wise with with some interceptions and uh, touchdowns as well. So Case Keenum's up and down, and, and I like that matchup. Moving to kicker, I like Justin Tucker against the Saints. He's the best kicker in the league, really, and there's probably going to be a lot of scoring in that game. And then I also like Greg Zerline, who's coming off an injury for the Rams. He'll be against the 49ers. So that's that's what I have this week for fantasy. And then if you if you check if you check on Sundays, I do a start one sit one on the FredandButter.com. A lot of times there's there's waiver wire ads right there. So, like, for example, last week, Dalvin Cook got benched, and then I put up to, to start Latavius Mary. He had 25 carries, 155 yards, and a touchdown. So sometimes you can find a spot start right there an hour before game time. I normally post up between, like, 11 a.m. and 12 p.m. on Sunday. So check that if you get a chance. Sounds good. Good deal. All right, Fred, uh, it's prediction time again, and uh... – Jet, what are our records at this point? I, I think we stunk it up again, didn't we? <laughs> Especially you. Yeah, the good news is the standings Uh-oh. among the three of us are really tight. The bad news, yeah, we all pretty much suck this year in picking games. Last weekend, <laughs> Bill, the Eagles game was the only one you got right. You were one and three, while Fred and I both went two and two. We all lost on the stinking Cowboys winning. Dallas actually looked like a decent team in crushing the Jags. So for the season, Fred is now in the top spot. He is 12 and 11, while Bill and I are both 11 and 12. That is very impressive. Not. <laughs> I think that might Still be awful. the first week in in two year year and a half that I have not been on top of the leaderboard. I believe. You That's could be that. right. We're, yeah, we're, we're yeah. going to fix that tonight. Rough weekend. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Let's do it. Dallas yep, at Washington. Yep. The Skins are minus one and a half. The Giants travel to Atlanta for Monday Night Football. The Falcons are minus five and a half. And last, Carolina Panthers come to Philly to take on the Birds. Eagles minus five. 
Let's do it. Dallas at Washington. Fred Skins minus one and a half. Who you like? Uh, the Redskins are at home. I I got to tell you, I was shocked what Dallas did against the Jaguars. Like literally shocked. I wanted to throw my TV out the out the window. But um, <laughs> you got two good defenses. <laughs> that was crazy. That it was that that uh, blowout. But you have two very good defenses in this game. Um, I think the over-under is around 40-and-a-half or something, 41. I, I think it'll be a defensive game. I'm going to go with the Redskins at home. I think they have more more weapons on offense to, to push through, and I'm going to go Redskins 2017. Uh, this pains me to say this, but the Cowboys beat Washington twice last year. They looked real good last week in beating Jacksonville. First time this season, I am picking the Cowboys to win, which just assured a Washington victory. So there you go, Fred. I'm picking Dallas. <laughs> well, and I, I'm going to go with the Redskins only because they're at home. And, and I think this is the week we find out if Washington's for real. Uh, they're playing decent ball. They're on top of the standings. We'll find out. Because uh, Dallas isn't as bad as we think they are, even though Dak Prescott is still mediocre. I'm going Washington. <laughs> Giants, and I have to root for the those God Cowboys. awful New York football Giants travel to yep. Atlanta on Monday Night Football. Falcons five and a half, uh, minus five and a half. I don't think there's much choice in this one. There is not much choice. There's, I don't see any any way here that the Giants win it. I'll bet that by Monday night through the weekend, I'll bet that spread gets up to seven with all with all the betting that'll go on Atlanta's favor. Uh, I, the, the Giants just I, I don't I don't see it. I think I'll get I'll, I'm going to predict five sacks in this game by Atlanta. Quinn's just going to dial it up. I'll go Atlanta 38-17. Saquon Barkley will run for 297 yards, but the Falcons will beat the Giants. Falcons will beat the Giants, and you might be right though on uh, Saquon <laughs> Barkley. He is really 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 good. Fun to watch. All right. Carolina at the Eagles, Eagles minus five. I'll be honest with you, uh, that's a little more points than I think. What do you got, Fred? Yeah, I saw that too, that it, that it was minus five, which encouraged me even more. Uh, when Spade to play in that Giants game, that throw crosses shoulder almost back to Alshon Jeffrey, which – it was just Wentz has been back and it statistically looked good, but that was just vintage Wentz. And I just think he's going to just go improve upon that. I think the Eagles are going to going to blow out the Panthers this weekend. They are a little banged up defensively, though. I, I saw today they have two two healthy defensive tackles, and then Peters. I don't know how he's playing with his biceps. So that's my only real concern. But with that, with the spread being higher than than normal, I think. I like the Eagles. I'm going to go 31-13 Eagles. Wow. All right, Cam wow. Newton can be very good. He can be mediocre. It'll be crucial for the Eagles' defense to get a lot of pressure on him. You get him rattled a bit, and he's more likely to make bad decisions. The Panthers aren't a great running team. I still have lots of concerns about the Eagles on both sides of the ball with the injuries and just some poor play on the part of some guys. But the loss to the Vikings notwithstanding, the Birds are generally very good at home. And by that same token, Carolina, while – 3-0 and down at their place. They're 0-2 on the road. So, I see the Eagles winning this one at the link, 27-20. to mm. I'm going to go uh, I'm going to go Eagles, and I'm going to go in a close game again. Uh, 27-23 Eagles, my biggest concern. Uh, to your point, Fred, I think Carson Wentz is playing pretty well. The offensive line is not playing pretty well, and that 
certainly worries me, especially if Vitae ends up in there for Peters uh, and Samola is in there for Wisniewski. Um, Lane Johnson's nicked up. It, it just worries me a little bit up front. But I, I'm going Eagles, uh, but I think it's going to be close. It really pains me that I have to root for the Cowboys this Sunday to help myself in the standings here, but it is what it is. It is what it is. Well, hey, Fred, before we let you go, uh, Chet and D made their Sixers predictions. What were they, Chet? D said 50, 50 wins and a third seed. I said 48 wins. I didn't say a seed, but a third or maybe even fourth seed. Um they're going to be behind Boston and Toronto, and maybe another team will sneak in there. But I'm saying 48 wins. D said 50. What about you guys? Okay, Fred, who do you like? Or what do you like? Um, I'm, I'm not going to get too crazy over la- last night. I I have a whole opinion on that. But I'm I'm going to say I'm back and forth. It's, what's a 54 and a half seed over under? I'm going to say 52 yes. wins and the three seed. 52 wow. and the three seed. Yes. Wow. All right, Bill Furman. Well, somebody has to speak without the Kool-Aid. And I guess that that would be me. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so I am going to tell you that this team is going to win 46 games. And the reason they're going to win 46 games is they are no better than they were last year. Except that. Now, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are no longer a surprise to anybody, especially Ben Simmons, who was very good for the most part of last year. But he's not a surprise now. And, you know, I just the, – the Fultz thing, we'll see how that plays out. I think they have a better chance if they get Reddick and McConnell playing and get themselves settled. But they're no better than last year. Um, I'm, I'm just not seeing – I'm just not seeing it. Where, where are they going to get extra wins? I don't know. I mean, LeBron's gone from the East. That helps. Um, you got to hope Fultz does get better as he gets more playing time. We shall see. But I didn't go on the over. I took uh, 48. D said 50. Fred said 52. And Bill said 46. So we shall see. Well, maybe we'll see. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. And Muscala. He's got a little bit of a shot, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see, but uh, I, I'm just uh, I'm just not uh, as fired up as a lot of people are, and I, I think last night was a, it was exactly what I expected. They got pounded by a better team. Yeah, keep in mind Boston's the best team in the East, or I think they will be anyway. Certainly, yeah. and that that that's and the coaching is is another question mark. Uh, I don't want to hold up any time. We only have five minutes left. What the heck? <laughs> I did not do that. Cut me off. (laughs) (laughs) Stop that. (laughs) I didn't do that. I don't know what happened. (laughs) Oh, you have my hopes. (laughs) uh, We'll see, uh, Fred. I I hear what you're saying about the about the coaching, and uh, you know I've questioned that a little bit before. But he's always got the pass because he didn't have players, and you know now he's got some players. I don't know if he's got enough, but. you know, they need to get up around 50 again, and I, I'm just not sure they can do it. you got to stop baby and false, too. Bill, what did you say in terms of seed? You said 46 wins. Are we talking four seed? Oh, yeah, they're going to be lucky to squeeze in. Okay. Well, you're saying four. Okay. I'm, I'm hoping four. There you go. All right. All right. Well, hey, uh, 
We appreciate you joining us. Come on back uh, next week. We'll talk some more. Go Birds. Great show. Go Birds. See you, Fred. All right. Hey, Chad, as always, you've lined up great guests, and uh, I'm excited to know who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week. What do we got going on? Well, I know you like when we have a first-time guest, so we do. we got a first-timer. we got a former college head football coach. We've got a former Eagle and a former Philadelphia Stars linebacker, all wrapped up in one guy. His name is John Bunting. Great guy, and I know it'll be terrific to talk with John. And we may have a second guest also, but that's not definite just yet. But, yes, John Bunting joining us from down south. I think he's moving from Carolina to Florida somewhere, actually, this week. And that's going to be a whole lot of fun, I can assure you. That's right, man. I want to get a chalkboard out. We can do some X's and O's with John Bunny. <laughs> Very good. Awesome. All right. Uh, we are almost out of time. Chet, do we have a parting shot or any junk we missed? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, I jotted some things down here. Let's see. Um, crap we didn't get to this week. Among the stuff we did not have time for. I don't often say things nice things about the Boston Celtics, but it was great seeing Gordon Hayward back on the court Tuesday night. That horrible injury happened a year ago, but he's back healthy, and that was pretty cool to see. The owner of the Seattle Seahawks and Portland Trailblazers died this week. Paul Allen, who had battled non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, was also a co-founder of Microsoft and one of the world's wealthiest people, a net worth of more than $20 billion. Paul Allen was 65. Nike did something pretty awesome last week. It signed Oregon junior runner Justin Galagos to an endorsement deal. He'll help develop a running shoe for athletes with disabilities, making Justin the first pro athlete with cerebral palsy sign a contract with the sports apparel giant. His reaction was priceless. If you haven't seen it, check it out on YouTube or somewhere else. Kudos to Nike and way to go, Justin. And Bill, my all-time favorite horror movie is the 1978 Halloween. And now we have a new version of it opening this weekend with Jamie Lee Curtis back as Laurie. Once again, trying to put an end to Michael Myers. You know where I will be this Saturday. All right. And I have just two quick jokes we missed, Jet. Analytics okay. has gone, baseball analytics has gone over the edge today, in case you missed it. The Brewers used pitcher Wade Miley as an opener in game five of the NLCS. He faced only Cody Bellinger. He walked him. It was gone. One batter wow. walked him out as the starting pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll leave Chip Kelly for you next week because he won a game. With that, yeah. we've reached the end of our hour. We'd like to thank our special guest, D Lineham, Paul Domowitz, Fred Hugo, our sponsors, Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Razroom, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, October 24th at 7.30 p.m. on Block Talk Radio dot com slash Philly Press Box Radio. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Go Birds! E-S-E-L-E-S-E.